So the angry mob has just caught you grave robbing. Would you rather be lynched or thrown into the lime pit? Dang. I want... <laughs> I the, the It's lie, right? The, yeah. Or, or lie, it, lime. I think... I don't know. I'd rather be thrown in the pit. Are you I, serious? So he, he lost his... He But... He lost his eyes. Oh wait, they he didn't they die. Out his eyes before they hung him. No, the the guy who was thrown into the pile. He he lost his he eyesight. Died. Have you ever seen um, Fight Club when they do the like lie kiss on their hands? Oh yeah, like, I don't know. I, I mean. They put the actor in a pile of flour, but if you really ended up in a pit of lye, you'd have chemical burns all over your body, and you probably would die from the shock, I imagine. Yeah, if that's the case, then no. I'm taking the the other one. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, at least if you get hung, your neck snaps and it's over. But yeah, they really did not take kindly to those grave robins. Yeah, uh, no, leave the dead alone. Necromancer. I am Shira, joining you as always as the resident rom-com fan. And I am Brett, trying to guide us through this horror movie. Yes, the movie that I remind you, you picked, because every week Brett picks a horror movie, I pick a rom-com, and then we remix those movies. We turn the rom-com into a horror and the horror into a rom-com. But there's a lot to get through before we get to the happily ever after of the rom-com version of this horror movie. Uh, we are <laughs> continuing our theme of gender fluidity, drag, whatever we want to call it. Originally, the concept for this pair of episodes was drag, but there is an argument to be made or a question to be asked, does Dr. Jekyll and Sister Hyde fit that theme? I call to the stand, yes, Brett. Yes, that is... So, here we go. Uh, of course, what am I going to do? Uh, I, I, go to, I go to Google, and I look up cross-dressing in horror movies... And I find an article because I, I wanted a I wanted a guided tour. Like I wanted something more than just a list of like this. The here here's the movies, right? Because the big movies that I'm gonna get are Dress to Kill, Silence of the Lambs, Sleepaway Psycho. Camp, uh, Psycho, and so like. I don't want to do those movies because that, that that doesn't interest me. I want to see an interesting take on cross-dressing in horror movies. 
So, Bloody Disgusting, very reputable uh, horror site, has an editorial by Harmony Colangelo, who is a trans woman, and she writes this very great article on cross-dressing in horror movies. And she's like, you know, movies like Sleepaway Camp and Insidious Chapter 2... Like, in a way, they're they're not anti-cross-dressing because the, these characters have been tortured into it and it, that's why their mind is warped. And the, and the article is like, you know, in a backwards kind of sincere way, it's they're trying to help. But, um, yeah, they just wrote on the stigmatization of it and they put... Dr. Jekyll and Sister Hyde right up there with Dress to Kill. And I thought that was an interesting pairing. And uh, I thought their take on on Dr. Jekyll and Sister Hyde was interesting. And so that's why I picked it. I can see it going either way. I think that there... Yeah, I mean, I think you could argue that this is... A movie about transformation, about about transforming into a different gender, about playing playing with different gender identities. I mean, really, mostly to commit crime. Um, but there are various points where we see the actress dressed as Doctor Jekyll, and a very important scene, which I think almost makes you question the reality of the film where we see Dr. Jekyll in drag as he's um, murdering one of his victims. So I think it almost calls into question, you know, is this man just insane? Or, I I mean, or was was really, was Sister Hyde really happening? Um, or or was this you know a projection of his mind or her mind, his his separate identity as Sister Hyde? Um, but uh, yeah, no, I think it fits. It's it's not you know it's not the traditional example. But I also feel like this is a this could be a more interesting discussion than to just talk about. Some of these other movies like Psycho and Dress to Kill where cross-dressing or, you know, transness is kind of stigmatized or demonized and we're meant to look at these people as if they're, you know, objects of disgust rather than, you know, the main protagonist, although, you know, an unreliable um, sort of villainous protagonist, but they are the main characters of this movie and it's their perspective that we're meant to see. We don't really see the perspective of the investigators like, I don't know, like Stephen Ree in the crying game where he's kind of outside of this character that's having this experience or, or like Jodie Foster in silence of the lands where she's investigating this person. We never get to really see inside Buffalo Bill's head yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm trying to, is, I'm trying to find the, the quote here on it. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. All right. So yeah, in the, in the article that, uh, that I read, uh, Harmony writes, 
Despite their obvious similarities and differences, what I consider the biggest distinction between how these films handle the topic of being trans is what they choose to focus on. Dr. Jekyll and Sister Hyde focuses on womanhood as a gender. Hyde is a femme fatale who does acknowledge and use her sexuality to her advantage, but it is normalized. Uh, even the first transformation is beautiful, but but dressed to kill uh, essentially boils down to a man has an erection and loses his mind <laughs> because he thinks he's a woman. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I think you're, you're right. Like, <laughs> rather than, I think there is this problem with, I think, both rom-coms and horror movies that explore transness or explore cross-dressing or or gender performance that a female transformation is is almost an it's an either an object of disgust like Ace Ventura when they're literally throwing up when yeah. they find out that Sean Young's character is a trans woman um, or um, you know or it's played up for laughs like you know in numerous movies or like even the scene in Silence of the Lambs where where Buffalo Bill is tucking and saying, you know, do I make you or I forget exactly what he says. I just remember Goodbye Horses is the song that plays, but Yeah. Would you, know, you yeah, fuck would you me? fuck I'd Yeah, fuck and then of me. course, you know, <laughs> that actor has a very deep voice and even though he's He's sort of meant to be this object of disgust. It's his gender, his performance as a woman is meant to be laughable. And I think the thing that people sort of brush under the rug is that this is kind of in itself a form of misogyny, that feminine performance or appearing feminine is, is silly, that there is something inherently yeah. silly or not to be taken seriously about being a woman. And I know there are people who will resist that argument and will say like, no, 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 it's specifically the transness of it. But I really do feel like when we make fun of or when we react in disgust to trans women not passing or things like that, it is a comment on women in general. It is a form of misogyny because you do not see that in the narratives where women are passing as men. Certainly, Victoria, Victor, is never treated like a joke just for acting and being like a man. She acquires a lot of agency and power through that. And, you know, that I think that that is a really, I think that that's often ignored when people look at cross-dressing narratives. Yeah. And I, I do think this movie would be very interesting if they did not switch actors or switch actors so readily. <laughs> if they kind of played with that idea of, like, the man could find his sexuality through dressing as a woman. 
uh, instead of just instantly making him a woman. Well, I think there's definitely something to be said there because Dr. Jekyll is not interested in women at all. Like, like sexually, he is not... He, he really behaves as if he's not at all attracted to women. And, I mean, not that, not that there aren't trans women that are also lesbians. There definitely are. Um, but the, he... He's, he's more concerned with his work. He's not a traditional than, male. No, yeah. He doesn't care about pursuing women. Uh, the, the upstairs neighbor is is has to seek him out he doesn't care about that uh but the only time yeah once he he starts getting thoughts of arousal it it kind of messes with him and he doesn't know what to do (laughs) but he just knows that he likes it right and it seems like men in these movies are either were or in this movie in particular in dr jekyll and sister hyde all the men in these in this movie are either talking about sex and getting laid or they're just working yeah. they're on the job there are only two modes of being male in dr jekyll and sister hyde in real life i i tend to find this <laughs> <laughs> pretty much the Wait, same are you way saying men don't have real hobbies they're <laughs> just working or thinking about sex? Uh, no, no. Men men work a lot, and and men are horny. <laughs> <laughs> That's. But yeah, uh, all uh, Doctor Jekyll's all work, no horn. Uh, and so yeah, I, I'm re- I'm ready. All to right, let's tell the tale of Doctor Jekyll and Sister Hyde. Um, so we we start off the movie with a kill. With, uh, we also start off the movie by introducing it as a Hammer production, which Harmony does not mention at all in her article. I just, I just want to throw it out there that maybe a Hammer mention. We're friends of Hammer <laughs> on this podcast, though. We are. We did. We did the uh, the vampire lovers. <laughs> yeah, it seems like Hammer is is down to dabble in the subject of sexuality in ways that I didn't expect yeah, and, and that I didn't really associate with yeah. hammer um, before, but yeah, yeah gay panic is big in the hammer genre <laughs> or in the hammer films. <laughs> um, but yeah, we, we straight off begin with a, a murder and it's definitely drawing comparisons to the Ripper. Cause you know, the Jack, the Ripper's, um, main territory was Whitechapel. Uh, and so we're on the hunt yep. for this killer. And then we know in real life, the Ripper was famously never caught. Uh, and then after going on a little stabity stab, Dr. Jekyll comes home. And for some reason, even though his hands are bloody, he doesn't get any blood anywhere. Like he touches door handles, like he's, He's touching all this stuff, but, like, blood is never, like, coming off of him, which I, I found somewhat distressing. It, yeah, his hands are, it's because his hands are, are able to morph. They're, they're morphing. It's morbid uh, And absorbing time. the blood. <laughs> yeah, it's morbid time. <laughs> and so, yeah, his, 
this whole movie is very cartoonish. Uh, since I watched this movie first, we uh, when they show the poor lady singing in the bar full of rowdy prostitutes and and drunken men. I thought I was like, oh my god, this movie is this movie is a cartoon. Like this is insane. But then Victor Victoria starts with that movie, and she faints because a man is indulging himself on a cream puff. So I was like, hey, you know what? Puff Both movies. Awesome. Both movies very cartoony. However, like handle handle the subject very interestingly. And you know, true to the material. Not just for not, laughs. It's not just for laughs. And true to the source material, when Jekyll comes home, he starts writing his account. And if you've, it's been a really yeah. long time since I read Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, but it is basically in a diary format where Dr. Jekyll is, right. is making an account of everything that happened to him. So I, I find it also hilarious that his first, one of his first words are, let it be known that I am male, male, male. <laughs> like he really wants yep. to assert this fact about himself and this will become important later. Um, so we learn that Dr. Jekyll has dedicated his life to curing all known illnesses. He wants to find a life elixir that can cure, like an antiviral that can cure everything. I took it, yeah, as like he had discovered this this super potion that could cure everything in the world. The only problem was it just needed a little bit of tweaking for each little thing. And that takes time. Yeah, and he, he wants this to do everything. He wants it to cure all known diseases, and he wants it to help you live forever. Uh, well, the living forever is the challenge put forth to him by uh, what's his, what's his, his professor name? His professor friend? The professor guy? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> professor Robertson. Yeah. His professor Robertson says, you know, you don't have enough time oh, to do all right. of these that's vaccines right. he says, okay yeah you want to discover this thing but you're you're gonna be dead before you do it and i like that and just like just like king had a con a crisis of of consciousness like so does jekyll he spirals into madness yeah oh okay so sorry he's he's working on multiple elixirs he's working on an rpg yeah. antidote that can that can uh, clear all status effects. Uh, and in addition to that, he also wants to get that uh, eternal life mixture. And I do find it interesting. Professor Robertson immediately comes in and he's like, dude, you need to stop working and you need to, you need to get with one of these sex workers. Like I've been, I've been sampling the streets and, and I, I'm having a good time. And, <laughs> Hyde or Jekyll kind of makes a dig at him and he's like, I bet you got the pox too. Uh, Cause he's just out on these streets, just getting his, I guess. But yeah, nobody, all the men in these movies, in this movie, they're either horny or they're working. There's no in between. Uh, so now Jekyll needs to get this life elixir. 
and he decides that he needs female hormones taken from fresh cadavers in order to do so. And his reasoning is interesting. It's He's like, well, women, their hairline doesn't recede. <laughs> and they, they keep... It's very bizarre how he reaches <laughs> these conclusions. It's very bizarre how the movie reveals to us his thought process and scientific process on how to make this a reality. It's all very bizarre. But Jekyll... <laughs> you've got this... You've got Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde meets Jack the Ripper, and then you throw in gender bending, and it just, somehow I found it all just kind of clicked into place, and once the movie kind of starts going, I kind of started to dig see, it. see, I found his, his thought process, his motivations, highly suspect... Uh, and clearly this guy did not study the scientific method in school because he also, I mean, the reason that, why did the, the reason that women why, live longer is because we're not stupid. We're not just doing dumb stuff all the time. Like there's, how, how did no one think of this before? <laughs> <laughs> uh. Like, <laughs> He's a genius. He's a mad yeah, genius. He, he's the only one mad enough to try. He's definitely it. a mad <laughs> genius. But I, I just want to give a shout out to there's a subreddit called Why Women Live Longer. And it's just a collection of videos of men doing really dumb and dangerous things. And it just shows that oh, yeah. women are living longer for no other reason than the fact that we have common sense, that we're not just going outside firing Roman candles at each other or rolling our friends down a hill in a trash can for fun, you know? I think, or or having sex with lots of sex workers with no protection, you know, I think, I mean, certainly the women in this movie are going to live long as long as they stay inside and keep weaving, it's really when Susan just decides to go outside by herself that she's suddenly in danger. Um, but, you know... Yeah, never go out alone. He could have researched this hypothesis a little bit more before he formed it. So he, he hooks up with this undertaker who very grossly, you know, when he's looking at the bodies, he's like, oh, I'm glad you didn't choose that one. She's my favorite. It, you know what? Yeah, this this mortuary undertaker kind of guy, this more guy, he's working and yeah, boring. he's doing his job mm -hmm. and getting his Yo. rocks off, which is very disturbing. And you know, you'd think in the seventies or I think this is is this eighty one or no, this is oh, the seventies. Yeah, yeah, it's. But it's a very cartoonish take on 1888 London. Right, right. Yeah, but the, of course they have to, to get the necrophilia thing in there. And then... The city the city is a seedy place. This part of the city. Oh, very it much. It is a seedy, dangerous place. And then, so he's like, you know, you, got, you need to hook up with my pals Burke and Hare. And... 
It says on the wiki that Burke and Hare were murderers. My impression is that they were grave robbers, but maybe I'm wrong about that. Maybe they yeah. were also killing women. I well, it's definitely imp- uh, implied both, but but I think their reputation would be more for grave robbing. However, you know, they also kind of like they essentially blackmail um Jekyll into into like uh hey we're gonna keep killing and you're gonna keep paying us right uh so Burke and here go after Jekyll's ideal specimens which are females no older than 20 they gotta be fresh uh and he's extracting from them their hormones in order to make his elixir Meanwhile, we've got above him, in the apartment above him, an elderly mother, her daughter Susan Spencer, and then Susan's brother Howard. And Susan is so desperately attracted to Jekyll. It's really sad how much she is into him, and he just barely acknowledges that she exists. She basically has to force her way into his apartment and say, I need you to eat. Eat food and and conversate with me. And he's kind of like, sure, 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 sure. But really, it's just, you know, he's just trying to get back to his lab to yep. do his experiments. Yeah. And this family presents themselves, even though they live in the in on the outskirts of the city in this seedy place of like they they present themselves as kind of more upper class um but clearly they're hard on times cuz they're all living together and they're all living in this this seedy place but um it's it's just an interesting sort of class aspect to the movie because she does, she she wants to essentially. She, I took it as like it could be anyone living downstairs. It could Honestly, be any guy living yeah. downstairs. If if he was cute, like Doctor Jekyll, she would want him. Uh, and, and so, Howard, being a good because, older brother, makes fun of her for it mercilessly. Yeah. Uh, but he also, yeah, he also is a good older brother because. He goes down to check up on him, This too. is true. So, Dr. Jekyll goes right from experimenting on a fly straight yep. to human trials. He does not decide, like, oh, maybe I should give the elixir to a mouse or, or a dog or a sheep or something. The fly. It's like, okay, <laughs> it worked on the fly, so now we're going right to the human trials, and the first human to trials gotta be me. Yep. Uh, and he takes the elixir, and it transforms him into a beautiful, but as Wiki says, evil woman. I don't know that she's yes. evil. I'm kind of aligned. I I'm don't aligned think... with Mrs. Hyde. I'm not even going to beat around the bush. I feel like she has perfectly valid reasons to want to exist and to feel like maybe she might be more important than Dr. Jekyll. 
her being evil is part of would be a part of like a, a successful ad campaign it's propaganda of like she's the evil killer but then the what makes this an exploitation flick is like no she's all she's not really evil she's just doing bad things uh but she's not evil but you know her motivation is to exist she wants to be yeah. here, and so she kind of goes along with the plan because it means that she may get to exist and ultimately take over, and Dr. Jekyll can go bye-bye, and Mrs. Hyde can buy more cool red dresses, which I totally support. Yeah, it's... It's super cool. Yeah, I again, I my sympathies, my my alignment is fully on the side of Mrs. Hyde. I mean, she's evil well, in the also, way that midwives are witches. I mean, Doctor, yeah, Doctor Jekyll, Mister Hyde, classic Universal monster pantheon type character. Like the character is vilified, and we are sympathetic with that character i don't know Uh, if you're meant to sympathize with mr hyde the original character or even you know the league of extraordinary gentlemen type version of him because mr hyde is kind of this great i mean again i haven't read the book in a really long time but my impression is mr hyde is almost like this raging id that he is able to express desires and passions in a way that is totally suppressed from dr jekyll that mr hyde is horny you know where where dr jekyll is not like like the sexuality of mrs hyde is very clear and i think if i recall correctly from the novel mr hyde likes to go and go out and party basically and maybe do a little killing on the side but that's that's kind of his his whole raison d'etre. Yeah, uh, it would have been cool. It would have been cool to see that, <laughs> to see that party animal side. I, I was hoping that they would they would. Hit I was that, hoping too because no. she has that fantastic red dress that she buys, and yeah. then she buys I think some underwear too. And Doctor Jekyll goes, "No, no, you can't." Yeah. <laughs> Which I, I thought hilarious. And I was like, yes, girl, buy more clothes. Well, I also think I I kind of took it as he was upset that they they made it wrong. Like he wanted it a particular way, but then he had to play it off because the cause the neighbor mm. was in the room. He had to play it off as like, oh wait, I mean who would dare order my sister this kind of thing? Or why would she want, you know, like he had to play it off that oh, way. Interesting. I, but I think he was more upset. I thought upset that he was upset that, that she it, was buying more things and he didn't want her to keep buying things, particularly feminine things. Um, but, but so, you know, as this transformation's happening the people upstairs are wondering, okay, what else, what is going on down there? So Howard goes to check. And then that's when he meets Mrs. Edwina Hyde. Uh, and, and of course, Susan gets jealous, but then we learn that Mrs. Hyde is Dr. Jekyll's sister. So then 
Susan, much like Norma in uh, in in Victor Victoria, is like, okay, okay, she's not a, she's not a threat, right? Very relieved. Um, but yeah, he needs to make an excuse for why there's going to be a person dressed as a woman around. Mm-hmm. Because in 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 that kind of atmosphere that dating circle that kind of thing it's it's important yes uh so in order to keep feeding himself the serum and then i i'm in i think i find it interesting that yes the serum changes him into a woman and then at that point he's he's fine with that side effect and it is a big side effect this isn't just you know your diarrhea and dry mouth and whatever you get from the pills that they advertise on TV. Um, this is a really big side effect. Like, this isn't just your Chantix nightmares, you know? This is this is some serious shit. But he's like, I need to keep taking it. I gotta keep taking it. And, oh, uh, go ahead. Imagine if the elixir didn't transform him physically into a female, but it just gave him the confidence you know instead of making him a a a, a raging horny id monster it made him a i'm gonna take all the dedication i put into my work into my sexuality and what does that mean that means completely transforming myself into a woman it would have been interesting if the movie had the male actor play that part more before they transformed it into a female or before they had a female come into the role. I, yeah. That would have been more interesting. That's what I worked into my remake, but we get a more exploitation, grindhousey, instant transformation. Uh, They don't do as much with it as we would have hoped. Yeah, um, I would have liked to see more. But it's more an interesting concept. Like we we get yeah. maybe twice as much Jekyll as we get Hyde, and in some ways, I feel like hers is the more nuanced performance, and we really don't get yeah. to see that as much. Uh, it's a, it's very cool for a short ninety minute movie what they're able to do, and it, I honestly think like this movie would be really interesting as a remake if you use it just as a diving board for for a different kind of story yeah i feel like this could be a really interesting role for like a non-binary actor yeah uh so he needs more bodies he needs more lady parts uh so he decides to go a killing well no actually first he learns that his uh, his connect has dried up. Burke and Hare are very right. publicly lynched. Burke is is hung by the mob, and then they toss Hare. And I said I've been saying lie. It is lime. They do toss him okay. into a lime pit, uh, and so now he has to take mer- he has to take it into his own hands. And the only chance he has is to get stabby. Like I again, he, he goes really quickly from "I need bodies, cadavers. I don't care where they come from." To I'm just gonna start killing sex workers. Well, 
this is an interest. This is where this is where the movie shifts gears into Jack the Ripper mode, because Jack the Ripper was known for many things, some of which was speculated that they were a surgeon yes. or doctor because of the way they Ooh, removed and, body parts. Either a doctor or a and butcher. And people did, I think later, there's some profiles that speculated that maybe Jack the Ripper wasn't a Jack at all. That maybe it was a woman who did the killings. Yeah, but yeah, Jack the Ripper is known for picking on prostitutes and Surgical for precision. being a man. Right, for being a man. Being a man, a tall man dressed in a cloak and a hat, which is what a man wears. So as Jekyll starts to, because he's not a pro killer, of course he's a little bit sloppy, as his manly killer reputation starts to uh, starts to gain notoriety, they jump very quickly into to hide taking over the killer role, which is really cool. But again, like we want to see her have fun as I a woman know. first. And she we want to see her do like anything, do some cool stuff. Except flirt with some really annoying perverts, like between Howard and professor yeah. Robertson. Really? This is, this is what she has to pick from. Jeez. Um, but yeah, yeah, I find it interesting that we pull in Professor Robertson. He's kind of an amateur citizen detective, and he and the policeman are on the stakeout looking for the guy. And of course, Jekyll's like, yep. "Well, what if it wasn't a guy? I have I have the ability to cloak myself." And you know, you think about what's in it for Mrs. Hyde, and she's already thinking this way. Maybe I can take over. And it, it would have been awesome if he didn't have the elixir. Okay, here's here's how you fix the movie. He doesn't have the elixir, so he has to go out dressed as a woman. He has to go out and seduce a man into an alley, and and uh, or not a man, but he has to go out and sort of like maybe sort of seduce a man in a way where like he buddies up next to a female. He's, he gets the female alone, kills the female, drinks the potion right then and there because it's got to be fresh. Then he goes back into the party as a more confident female. And then he gets to party it up. That way he has a motivation to kill that isn't just, I want to do it next time. His motivation to kill is it gives me the confidence to be the woman I'm dressed as. Yeah, no, I think that that could be an interesting twist on it. So as things, as he takes the potion more, he kills more. Now Mrs. Hyde is able to appear sometimes without the need of the potion. And Jekyll and Susan are supposed to go to the opera, but right as he's about to go out, he picks the dress instead of his suit and I, I think he does it sort of like accidentally. He just reaches in and grabs the first thing. It's the dress. This triggers his femaleness. He loves being her. Why would he want to go out and go to the f boring opera with some girl he doesn't even care about when he could be Hyde? Yeah, exactly. And he completely loses control. Mrs. Hyde gains control. Susan gets stood up like a nerd. 
And then she decides to pretend that Dr. Jekyll is out there. I think she just can't take Howard's teasing anymore. Uh, right. <laughs> and she decides to, to go out. Um, and then uh, Mrs. Hyde decides that she's going to kill Susan. Uh, and that way, Su- maybe Susan has super hormones that will hopefully bring Mrs. Hyde into permanence. Um, but I think, you know, as, as she is stalking her, uh, Jekyll, Jekyll manages to come back into it. And then he commits that one last murder. We've looped back to the beginning of the movie. Oh yeah. I, I skipped professor Robertson's murder, but that was the one moment in the movie where as Mrs. Hyde is seducing and then killing Professor Robertson, there are flashes where Robertson recognizes oh. that it's Jekyll. And it did make me question, like, is all of this happening inside of Jekyll's mind? Is Jekyll... Has Jekyll decided when he looks into the... Is the person that Jekyll sees, the Mrs. Hyde that he identifies in the mirror, really this other person? Or was it was it him transforming into his female self all along? I don't know. I think the movie yeah. is actually pretty literal. I, I, um, you're, you're right. I, I agree with you, though. You're right. The movie does play it as literal. Uh, I think a lot of people could make the metaphorical case. But you're, I think you're right, though. A non-binary actor, it would be awesome to yeah, see in that. Yeah, in the most recent um, adaptation of The Sandman on Netflix, uh Desire is a non-binary character, the personification of Desire, and they got a non-binary actor to play them, Mason Alexander, and I think they do a fantastic job of, you know, just straddling. I mean, like, certainly no, you know, the saying goes, no non-binary person owes you androgyny, but that actor does this fantastic job of you know straddling that nine that line between feminine and masculine in a way that is just incredibly alluring uh and yeah i think this would be a a really great role for a non-binary actor um but so he we've looped back to the beginning of the movie he has to get one last murder in but enough is enough the, the cops are closing in. He's trying to write his diary uh, explaining everything, but really it's just a confession of a guy who killed a bunch of sex workers. Um, yeah, and and it's you're right. It's more him just declaring himself as a male. Like, if there's one thing I want you to remember, I a male. Not that I was doing this. Not that I was doing this for the greater good or anything. Not like, oh, hey, by the way, you, maybe this is worth continuing in some aspect. No, he's like, I'm a man. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So he is interrupted by the police as he's finishing his account and whoopsie, he drops something onto the paper and it corrodes the paper. So even his account now is lost 
And then That's he... right. How tragic. <laughs> How tragic for him. Whoopsie. Uh, so then he climbs up onto the roof. He's getting chased by the police. Uh, and then he actually is trying to cling to the gutters or the railing. But then he transforms into Mrs. Hyde and her soft feminine lady hands are not strong enough to hold the railing. I thought of Seinfeld <laughs> multiple wait, times wait, during this what movie. Was the, sign- the man, man hands? hands? Well, yeah, she definitely doesn't have man hands because if she had man hands, she would have been able to hold on to the railing. Uh, yeah. But I think sometimes when she's a lady, they do like... They do a little bit of, oh, like, I think they do play it up with his hand mm-hmm. in yeah, some there, shots. There, like, there's some there hand stuff. There definitely were. So. I, like, when he, when Mrs. Hyde was trying to go in for the kill with Susan, um, she, she, oh, did, right, yeah. she did have man hands. And that, that was how you were able to tell that Dr. Jekyll was fighting the transformation. Yeah. Um, but when they fall... You see the face, and it's meant to be sort of the courtesy of Wiki. They says they say that um, they die as a twisted amalgamation of both male and female, and and Howard and Susan both look a little bit disgusted. Like, what the hell? Who was I trying to seduce here? Yeah, I think. I think each one sees the 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 smashed face as the other. Mm-hmm. So they both are in shock of like, wait a minute, this guy is a girl. And the other one's like, wait a minute, this girl is a guy. And they're both like, what? what? And it's just, it ends on this sad, tragic, classic ending. Yes, it does. Um, final, final thoughts on Dr. Jekyll and Sister Hyde before we ask the question? I actually do not. All right. I, I, I think we, we Who did it. you have a crush on in this movie? You know, <laughs> you, you, you picked on him big time, but Professor Robertson... <laughs> The actor, I think the actor, because again, this is this is what a, a crush is, a movie crush. I think the actor really dialed it in perfectly to good. play this, uh, to play this skis ball kind of guy who just has this, this, just this kind of friendly rivalry with Doctor Jekyll. Like he just shows up to bug him, uh, and. I just, I loved having him on screen. He was a really good side character, and I felt sometimes, like, I mean, not, okay, I'm going to just dog on the actor that played Dr. Jekyll, but sometimes he was not really carrying the movie the way that Mrs. Hyde was carrying the movie or Professor Robertson was carrying the movie. I feel like it was exhausting and a little tedious to be with Dr. Jekyll sometimes. And so when we got to be with other characters who were, I think, sometimes more expressive actors too, it made the movie better. Yeah, I I, I don't think that had the same impact on me. I was a little more warm to Dr. Jekyll, but 
No, no, yeah, I I understand what you're saying. He 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 was the main character of the movie, <laughs> and all of the side characters were. It was interesting to see him with them because they were all interesting. Right. Yeah. Um, but how about you? Who, oh, I who think were you it's super easy on? to guess. I am one hundred percent into Mrs. Hyde. I was yeah. very invested in her success. I definitely wanted Dr. Jekyll to go away and for Mrs. Hyde to get to live her life and wear her awesome outfits. Uh, yeah, I was I was rooting for her all the way. Yeah, it's... I can see why this... I can see why Harmony put this in the, the article and I'm so glad that she did because putting this movie up there with those books bigger movies that deal with cross-dressing in a more schlocky way like this movie was the blueprint of something that could be really right it was a little less exploitive of being a woman like i think that you could i don't i don't know if contemporary audiences might have felt that way but from the beginning my allegiance was fully with mrs hyde yeah, like this this would be right at home at Alamo Draft House. You could easily fill a theater with people who would love this movie and champion this movie. Agreed. But also, it's a blueprint. It's a it's a draft. Right, right. <laughs> There's room for improvement. So, how was it turning this into a rom-com? Because as I said in the previous episode, I had some struggles. I loved it because I really wanted to play with the fact that he would have to, before he could physically transform into a woman, he would have to put effort into passing as one. I think that's an interesting angle and definitely one that I did not explore. (laughs) Why did you go first? um, uh, unfortunately, I don't have a, a good name for it. I, I think Dr. Jekyll and Sister Hyde is a good name. Uh, I, I didn't. Sometimes I just, I just don't want to spend time on names. But we're going to keep it relatively the same, right? Dr. Jekyll is obsessed with his work. That's his one defining factor of the movie. Yes, He's just obsessed his with his work. his main character trait. Yep. <laughs> Uh, his colleague is Robertson. He has a neighbor upstairs that's Susan and another neighbor who's Howard, who's Susan's brother. Um, you can set it in any kind of time period. If they're not physically upstairs, maybe it's like condos and it's different floors. You know, they take the same elevator up, whatever it is. I don't have a time frame for the movie. Either way, we, we do the same ridiculous line of thought which is hey maybe simply taking female hormones will make me immortal uh so that's what he does uh and the first time he drinks the potion um he turns oh i have two actors for the movie one is michael fassbender He's going to play Dr. Chekel. I thought of him during the movie several times because Michael of the way... Michael Fassbender could do drag if he wanted to. Oh, yeah. 
and he the just the way I c- could imagine Fassbender going like old oh, chap to someone. Yes, no, he's you know, very uh, good at playing a starchy English gentleman. But who's going to play the lady? Of course, podcast favorite Eva Ooh. Green all the Ooh. way. That's what I wrote. I love <laughs> Eva her Green all the way. Taught me Eva <laughs> so much. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so the first time he takes the potion. He instantly transforms into Eva Green, and she's instantly awesome, and she goes out, and she just has a great oh, time. She her. goes out and parties. So, because she parties, she kind she goes to this underground, she gets invited to this underground type of scene where she's invited back for a fashion show. So, now, my, so... Sister Hyde goes back to to home and transforms into Dr. Jekyll. Now Dr. Jekyll wants, he wants to be part of the fashion show. Working is great, but being a workaholic is not as much fun as going out and having fun, which means dressing as a woman. So what he does is he takes the potion, but it doesn't take effect right away. But he's on a time schedule, so he has to dress as a woman, make himself pass, go out to the fashion show, and then once he reaches the fashion show, he transforms into a woman, and then he gets invited to actually be a part of the fashion show. Because, of course, hijinks, one of the the ladies has a problem. They trip and fall or something. Of course. So, now that he's been part of a fashion show, he's been invited out to a photo shoot. So what does he do? He has to go home, and now he has to prepare his male self to be a female self so that he can be a part of this photo shoot. Right before the photo shoot, he downs the potion, but again, he still has to be comfortable around a photographer as Michael Fassbender being dressed as a woman. But then when everyone sees the magazines or the prints or whatever, it's Eva Green. So now the male has to do more work to present as the okay, female. Okay, who's the love interest? <laughs> um, Susan is the okay. love interest. <laughs> so, uh, so all this time we get somehow we get Sister Hyde interacting with the upstairs neighbors and entering into a dance competition. That's what this is all going to build up to. I love a dance off. So, because of the photo shoot, Hyde, Sister Hyde gets invited out to a modeling session, like a live modeling session. And then it's revealed there that he is really a he, right? Like Hyde is actually Jekyll. And Susan sees this, so we get a little bit of like breakup stuff. Meanwhile, in the midst of all this, Dr. Jekyll is a workaholic, and in any scene we have, he's working on a a potion to cure whatever disease Robertson has. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, Robertson gives a real heart-to-heart, and um, because Hyde, as a woman, was training to dance with Howard, so we can get some, like, you know, stuff there... In the dance competition, it has to be a man and a woman. That's the rules. So because Hyde is a man, who's going to step in to dance with him? Susan. 
but Hyde doesn't know the male part, so Susan has to dance the male part while he dances the female part. And then we get just like a sexy rom-com dance. Like Silver Linings Playbook. Uh, Like it's kind of ridiculous, but also romantic. Just like that. Yes, yes, yes. It's like, it's, it's romantic to them, but the rest of the audience is like, what? This is a little bit weird. Like, do they think they're doing good? Uh, and then that's the end of the movie. Uh, they do a happily ever after, uh, Michael Fassbender. Sometimes will maybe like Eva Green will be a, like a twinkle in the mirror. Like, good job. That's how we end the movie. Okay. Okay. I like it. Uh, I feel like it was very Brett to end, to end in a dance party. Yeah. Oh my god. That's the best that if if I'm going to go like I I had to follow a blueprint, right? So You wrote such uh, original things so if, for both episodes and I I'm just going to ruin it. No, I like I like yours. <laughs> oh boy. We have two different styles. We have crazy and then we have the more literal, but it's always interesting. <laughs> well, no, I, I, to my credit, I have come up with some really original ideas in the past when, when I'm in as what I like to call uh, Amadeus mode. Uh, I, I'm just, it's just coming out of my head, and I'm really coming up with some great ideas that I feel like I could sell to anybody. Um, but. I, I I need to warm up. I we're we're coming off of our summer break and and I need to I need to you know warm up my creative muscles again. And as I said last episode, like like any Hollywood writer out of ideas, I decided to rip off a movie that was already made. I've done the same exact thing. <laughs> well, I think once again, you're going to know exactly which movie I'm ripping off. And I think you're going to be able to identify it just based on the title. Uh, this movie is called Mrs. Hydefire. <laughs> oh! <laughs> this sounds like a great movie already. Dr. Jekyll, played by Robin Williams. No. <laughs> Um, but Dr. Jekyll, he thinks his life is perfect. Uh, he is close to discovering a life elixir that would cure all known illnesses. And he has a beautiful fiance, Susan Spencer. But then Susan dumps Dr. Jekyll, which is what I wish she would have done the entire movie is just be like, I've had enough of this guy. He's not interested in me and I'm done with him. She's got to be able to find someone right, else. Right, right. She really deserves that. So she dumps him for being a reclusive workaholic nerd. He's missed too many dates because all he does is work. And then missing their evening at the opera was just the final straw. She refuses to be the laughing stock of Victorian London society. Uh, and, of course, Dr. Jekyll is crushed but he's got more time than ever to work on his experiments. Uh, But instead of a life elixir, he somehow creates a potion that changes him into a woman. However, this suddenly gives Jekyll the idea 
for how he can not only wow the scientific community, but get Susan back. So he decides to infiltrate Susan's home under his female half, Mrs. Hyde, and pretend to be a housekeeper. So Mrs. Hyde is successfully able to get the job as the housekeeper and thinks it's just gonna, this is going to be too easy. Um, but then they find out that Susan already has a new suitor, Sebastian, a sexy Pierce Brosnan type. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then worse, Susan's brother Howard totally has the hots for Mrs. Hyde. So now Jekyll uh, Hyde has to work. Are are we going like Robin Williams as Mrs. Doubtfire <laughs> level of silliness? I, yeah, I mean, I'm not saying that yeah. Robin Williams needs to be um, Mrs. Hydefire, but Is... but you know, a, a comedian should do it. Like, oh, maybe what about Jack Black? He hasn't done drag yet, has he? You're right. I don't think he has. Is are are they going for for Mrs. Doubtfire type, or are they going to do a different kind of name? I mean, it, it, like a they have to be attractive enough for Howard to be into them. So, like, maybe not as old as Mrs. Doubtfire is. Yeah, like an au pair. Mm-hmm. Well, she's a housekeeper because there's no children. Oh. I don't deal with. I don't deal oh, with. Oh yeah, plot we don't moppets. need kids. Yeah, no. Uh, so now Jekyll Hyde has to work overtime because they have to do the job. They have to be a housekeeper. They have to sabotage Sebastian and then also deal with Howard's Pepe Le Pew advances. I mean, so much to do. And I was running out of ideas already. (laughs) So I just said that this leads to many farcical scenarios that I can't think of right now. But, yeah, I mean, just hijinks a go-go. But eventually, the gig is up. Susan learns the truth, and she is horrified because what a betrayal of trust. She told him it was over, and then he decides to deceive her in just the craziest possible way. Uh, And Howard, on the other hand, he's intrigued. So he's not, you know, disgusted in the way that you would see in a traditional narrative where it's like, ew, no, they tricked me. Um, He's into it. Um, And then Sebastian, being the male, he says, pistols at dawn. Like, let's let's solve this like men. So just as Jekyll and Sebastian are getting ready to duel... Susan runs into the middle of the dueling field and stops them. And she acknowledges that she knows that Jekyll did all of this out of love. And maybe this gets his hopes up. He's like, oh, my God, she's about to tell me that she chooses me. Uh, But then she says that she loves Sebastian now. She chooses Sebastian. And it just Mm. breaks his heart all over again. But we want to see some growth from Jekyll, right? After all of these shenanigans. So he decides to show some growth and maturity. He accepts that he has lost Susan and then he gives his blessing to the couple, you know, like it's better to have loved and lost than to have never loved at all. And the mature thing to do 
is to to give his blessing to the woman he loves and allow her to be with the man that she loves. And a chastened Sebastian calls off the duel. He no longer wants to kill Jekyll. So then Jekyll returns to his lab all sad and despondent. And who's there? Howard! What does he have in his hand? The potion. And before Jekyll can stop him, Howard drinks the potion and transforms into Eva Green. <laughs> I, I just, I wrote <laughs> yeah. he transforms into yes, a please. beautiful woman. But I mean, why not just put Eva why Green, not just put Eva Green in everything? So then Howard's female self says that she likes Jekyll the way he is and she wants to go on this wacky scientific journey with him. Like, why not? Let's do this together. Let's add one more person to this human trial. And then they kiss. And I want to have a moment where the camera pans around them. And maybe we see them kissing as man and woman, Jekyll the man, Howard's female form. And then they're both men. And then they're both women. And then it circles back around and Jekyll's the woman and Howard's the man. And we just get to see all the combinations together in the end. Yeah. And that that's it. That's the movie. Yeah, I like that. Ending on just... You could have a an editing party. Yeah, editing that's party just full with of all lots the of kisses. Converses. Like you gotta, yeah, you gotta have a big smooch in a rom com. Yeah, I like that. No, I like yours. <laughs> Even though it is a blatant rip off, rip off of Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> yeah, but you can picture it. Like that's why that's why when people pitch movies, they go, "It's like this meets this." Because you can picture it. <laughs> yeah, so going into the pitch meeting, I'm like, yeah, so you know Mrs. Doubtfire? Well, there's a little movie called Dr. Jekyll and Sister Hyde that <laughs> I think would be a great blend with it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had a lot of fun discussing this movie and remixing it with you. Uh, before we get into Love Bites, I just want to remind everybody to please like, subscribe, and rate us wherever you listen to your podcasts and follow us on social media at NecromancerPod. Okay, now getting into Love Bites. What would you like to recommend this week? You know, I watched The Gray Man. Oh, you actually Netflix. watched it. I thought that that was a movie that Netflix made to launder money. It, that very well could be, but the people who laundered the money were very artistic. <laughs> um, it, I, I was curious to see how the Russo brothers could handle a, a non-mega IP franchise. And I thought they did really well. It's a really cool, fun movie. It's, you know, it's it's a fun watch. It's a fun watch. Sonya and I got to watch it at home, and it's on Netflix. You can take your time, go through the movie. It's just a fun ride. We had fun with it. 
Oh, yeah. Uh, Sonia is listening to me right now, and she's saying the ending to the movie is not the best. And I do agree with her. The ending of the movie is not the best. Um, but I thought, like, there's some really cool action stuff going on in here. And the Russos really know how to put together a great stunt action team. Um, the action stuff was all really cool. Some of the other stuff, it's your basic... It's just a basic spy assassin movie. Um, nothing special there. But just a really fun watch. Okay. If you're into action movies... Heck yeah. Yeah, no. It's, it's cool It's cool to see kids play with toys, you know what I mean? Like, it was fun to watch the Russos play with all the money Netflix gave is, them. Yeah. They didn't put it that to waste. That is waits. definitely the vibe I like in an action movie. Just let's play, with the, let's play with the characters like they're action figures and make them go boom. Yeah. Yeah, and that's exactly what it is. Sorry, I I made a shocked face because I thought I saw Doug fall on his rollerblades. That <laughs> <laughs> um, you know what a coincidence. The thing that I'm about to recommend, I also was, I felt that the ending could have been a little bit better, could have been executed a little bit better, but I definitely enjoyed the ride. Uh, I would like to recommend the series on Netflix, Pretty Little Liars, Original Sin. Now, I did watch the original Pretty Little Liars, and this is a, this is related to the original series, but you do not have to have seen Pretty Little Liars to enjoy Pretty Little Liars, Original Sin. Now, the original Pretty Little Liars was kind of a mix between thriller and teen soap opera. And, you know, they kind of did yeah. double duty focusing on the teen soap opera bits as much as the mystery. Whereas Pretty Little Liars' original sin is a full-on horror homage. And particularly, it is an homage to the movies Halloween and Scream. So if you're a fan of Halloween and you're a fan of Scream, then it's worth it to watch this group of teenage girls battle against an almost supernaturally powerful uh, killer that's not unlike Michael Myers, but also taunts them in the way of Ghostface. Uh, and the show even has... Uh, one of the liars, one of the girls, I would say is basically Randy Meeks from Scream, where she's into film oh, yeah. and she's constantly, constantly lampshading what horror tropes they're experiencing right now. Like when there comes a time for them to split up and investigate a spooky house, she's like, I don't, we shouldn't split up. That's what they do in horror movies and things go wrong. Uh, and I think yeah. some people might find that character annoying, but I mean, Jamie Kennedy's annoying, but people still love <laughs> Randy Meeks. So, I mean, why not let a girl be Randy Meeks for once? And, you know, I would say the show should come with some trigger warnings, like trigger warnings for, for rape, for violence. You know, it, it, it definitely is a horror homage, uh, and definitely trigger warning, 
um, for, you know, pregnancy. One of the liars, she's pregnant, um, and she does a lot of running and screaming, and some of that stuff can be hard to watch. Um, but I felt like, overall, Original Sin was an interesting show. It, it you know, was... I think for fans of Pretty Little Liars, there were recognizable elements, but also if you'd never watched those shows, you could still enjoy Pretty Little Liars' original sin as its own story. And then unlike Pretty Little Liars, which went on for many seasons, the main story <sighs> in Original Sin wraps up within the season. Now, I will admit I was slightly disappointed by the ending, um, but the the journey to get there was very thrilling, and I was excited to watch pretty much each episode, with the exception of the last one. And bonus, there is a trans male character on the show, played by a trans male actor, and he is the least problematic male on the entire show. He plays one of the <laughs> boyfriends, and he's just a sweet earnest and cool guy and you know rather than having the trans person be the killer or be deceiving the main characters to get with them this was just a person who represented themselves exactly as who they are and was probably the nicest sweetest person on the show yeah and was not part why, of the horror yeah, why at not all. more of that? Yeah. That sounds cool. Yeah, I think it, it is definitely worth checking out if you are a horror fan, if you're a Pretty Little Liars fan. Uh, there's, there's something in there for everyone. And what, it's on HBO Max. what again? Netflix? Oh, HBO Max. yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, that is all for today, folks. Big Daddy Mars, or what? what is the Big Daddy Mars alias for the day? Uh, no, I think the only thing Big Daddy Mars really wants you to take away from all of our podcasts is he's Big Daddy Mars! Big Daddy Mars! Big Daddy Mars! <laughs> Necromancer is produced by Brett Dorman and Shira Moore. The theme song is Symphonia 3 by Kevin McLeod on the album Oddities.